Hello everybody, Brett Stewart here. A quick announcement at the top of the program. I want to apologize for the lateness of this episode. I recently got engaged in the last week and a half, two weeks, and the time I normally allocate to editing was kind of just embodied by that instead and all the things going on and the family and all sorts of other things. And every once in a while that happens when you're running a one-man editing ship and all that good stuff. So I so apologize, but please know we're going to be back on a very normal schedule with this episode today and then the following episode coming out next Monday. As always, uh, please follow this show on Facebook and on Twitter. That way you can go ahead and be involved in the You Did This To Us polls and all that good stuff. And we'll also be more transparent about posting about any potential delays in the future, hopefully none, on those platforms if they do arise. But thank you so much for your patience. I so appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Train to Busan. Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello everybody, I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me on this lovely evening, David Luzader, how are you? I am doing well at the time that this comes out. We are less than a week from the release of Kingdom Hearts 3, which is just, it's going to change my life. I will never be on the show again, uh, at least for a couple of weeks, because I will just be absorbed in that. It'll be the first one I ever play because it's on Xbox this time. Boy, are you going to be lost. <laughs> the creator had said this is not an entry point. Okay, maybe I'll have to do some reading. Yeah, I'll send uh, you some videos. They'll help you out. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Nicole Davis, are you going to be playing Kingdom Hearts 3? Uh, no. No, I will <laughs> probably be playing uh, Simon's Cat Crunch on my phone. There you uh, go. Yeah, I forgot that <laughs> thing. I'm on level 642. <laughs> that game just goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nicole, you picked the movie this week. Around the World is the opportunity for one of our hosts to pick a film that was not uh, released and shot in the U.S. It has to be an international film and present it to the panel. This happened to be one that neither myself nor David had seen before, though both of us have heard about and we are both very excited to see it. Before I introduce that, though, I do want to talk about next week's movie. Next week's movie is a You Did This To Us pick. If you're listening to this episode, obviously... You have all already voted on this pick. We're watching it. We don't know yet. It's going to be in the future for us right now. Future me is going to tell you in a moment. But if you'd like to vote on future picks, you can do that. You get to subject us to things like the emoji movie and Dunstan checks in. And I actually feel like what movies come to my mind first or whatever traumatized me more. <laughs> and I don't know why, but those two just linger. <laughs> and or the bodyguard the, that happened mm -hmm. you can do it to us follow us on facebook and twitter and you'll have the opportunity to do that just search movie go round podcast but this week well first of all future me what are we watching we'll be watching reign of fire oh uh, future God me damn it. it's gonna be uh, so I'm fun just watch it's gonna be something really rad uh but this was really rad. This was called Train the Busan. Came out in 2016. This was Nicole's pick for Around uh, the World. A zombie virus begins to take over Seoul just as a young girl and her divorced father get on a train to Busan where her mother lives. As the train leaves the station, one of the infected makes it on board at the last moment. The passengers, trapped on the speeding train, must try to survive the spreading virus and its murderous victims, not knowing what awaits them. At the end of the line, Nicole, why did you pick this 2016 zombie flick for us from South Korea? Because it rocks. Um, <laughs> basically, I had the, you know, I've, I've said before, Boston and its environs has several excellent art theaters and they show independent movies and they show foreign movies. And I got to see this on a big screen with an audience and it was amazing. Um. And I mean, I went in going, you know, I knew there were zombies involved somehow. And I went in going, 
Oh, yeah, I read The Walking Dead, and there's all this other stuff and wreck and quarantine and things and stuff. And I'm tired of the zombies and the walking dead and the running dead and the infected and the whatever. I'm just I'm done. I'm done. I'm just I'm just gonna have to put up with this for the next two hours. And started watching it and I got sucked in almost immediately and definitely as soon as all right wait i've got to get his name right um <laughs> oh wait i've got his name written in my notes hold on hold on hold on as, as soon as sukma shows up in this movie he plays the the beefy you know muscular guy uh sanghwa and i i was in completely and utterly and this thing you know it starts slow it's like a train you know it starts slow and it builds up and it builds up until all of a sudden it hits top speed and and it was blew my mind i had the best time it's a great movie and i wanted to share it with you guys and i hope that you enjoyed it even half as much for the just just for the record, I will be calling uh, the character of Song Hua, the one played uh, that you just mentioned, uh, as Korean Benedict Wong. For the <laughs> yeah, and this is a movie that I had heard of a ton, which typically is not the case with around the world picks that are foreign to me. But uh, no, I have heard all over the internet that this is the zombie movie that breaks the trend of zombie movies that you need to see this if you're sick of zombies. Because even The Walking Dead is sick of zombies. There are barely any more zombies left. Uh, it's all people, and they're angry at one another. So this, I think, does a pretty good job of circumventing a lot of those tropes. And that was one of the first things I wanted to talk about was Train to Busan. We hear about it all online. Um, maybe that's because, at least for me, I, I'm in a lot of more geeky communities, and we love this sort of thing. What about this movie allowed it to a become part of the become part of a cultural scene for Americans to have seen this movie. And then B has made it the zombie movie, the end all zombie movies of, of recent memory. Uh, I think because it is a classic zombie movie in the sense of like, what, what do we enjoy about zombies? Um, I think this movie, uh, and we'll get into this more is a trope fest. Uh, it is so many tropes. Characters are tropes. What happens to people is tropes. And that's fine. That's uh, that's going to sound like I'm dunking on this movie. Um, but I'm not because of that. It's because of those tropes that that play so well and they're all they're all played pitch perfect. This movie is not showing us anything we haven't really seen in a zombie movie before, I would argue. If somebody wants to argue against me on that, go ahead. Um but it's it's showing us what works and it's doing it lovingly. It's not being tongue-in-cheek. It's not winking at the camera. It is like, hey, we all know zombies, right? We're all cool with that. We're familiar with that. All right, cool. Here's a bunch of zombies. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe circumventing the tropes is not the right way to laud this movie. Maybe it leans into them just the right amount. Yeah, I, I think I uh in our in our note or show notes, the way that you said it is uh does it bring anything new and inventive? I would ultimately say no. I would say the thing that The Walking Dead, the comic, is big lauded for, and this was, gosh, over 10 years ago. I don't remember when this revelation was in the comics. Uh, Robert Kirkman is credited as having done the last inventive thing with the zombie genre. Uh, we're all already infected, so when we die, we will turn into zombies. That was kind of like the last big thing to do with zombies that nobody had thought of. Did we just spoil the end of The Walking Dead? <laughs> the end of The Walking Dead. You find that out uh, in the show in season two or three, and you oh, find, okay. find out in the comics, uh, I don't know, sometime in the first 50 issues, and there's almost 200 at this point. So, right. yeah, if you're behind on that, guys, it's all over <laughs> 10 years old. Uh, this spoiler, I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just think that because it plays so well to these tropes, that that's why it works. Nicole, what do you think? Um, yeah, I would I would say that it uses the tropes um very stylishly mm -hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't wallow in any particular ones except for maybe the one super selfish person who's screwing it up for everybody else. 
Um, but I mean the you know the trope of you you get bitten and you turn and it's it's a little difficult to tell with this particular one if you die first it looks like in some cases you do and in some cases death is not necessary and you just change yeah um, yeah so this- you know it does what it needs to to keep the story going right right when a movie gets too explaining is when a lot of movies uh really fall apart this movie has that that thing of like the infection is uh is dependent upon the character where some people will be bit and turned in minutes. Some people will be bit and somehow resisted for five minutes. Right. I mean, as I put in our docket, apparently the time from which you're bit to the time in which you fully turn or turn into a zombie or an infected is entirely dependent on how long you are dramatically relevant to the current scene. (laughs) Uh, there There are moments where, for instance, there's this whole team of, of baseball, young baseball players on this train, and one kind, of, one girl that seems to be like a cheerleader for them or something like that. Um, and former K-pop idol, I just want to throw that out there. Oh, well, okay. Yes. And when she finally goes down, we're going to spoilers in this. Almost everybody dies when she goes down, and her friend is kneeling down by her. His cradling close friend cradling yeah. her and then she just digs straight into his neck like three seconds later Regular. and yeah. then toward the end of the movie when the two most important characters that are changed into zombies change into zombies they seemingly resist it for a very long time mm-hmm. yeah enough to open a door which also oh, one, one also has the time to give a speech to their kid uh, right and yeah which is fine, which is why the movie doesn't try to ever explain, like, well, you have this much time once you're bit. It's just like, nah, look, you're bit, you're going to turn, we're going to have some people have some dramatic moments and, you know, whatever. That's that's fine. That's what we're doing here. Well, yeah, know, I, I do kind of love it about it. Maybe it's just like, you know, some people are more resistant to disease in general and, yeah. you know, some people get sick faster than others with the same yeah. virus. Yeah. Though apparently if you have the virus and you are resisting it long enough behind a closed door that you can now open said closed door, that would blow this whole case wide open throughout the entirety of the movie because doors are very key right. to this entire movie. Yes. Because uh, we, have, we have the asshole guy that we all hate uh, who like gets bit and is seemingly turned but is still acting very human for a good minute before yeah. his final turn where everyone else is kind of shown like once you turn you're like i need to bite someone but not eat them i guess I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's classic zombies of the biting right not so much the eating variety i do love that how could a door not have at least accidentally been opened <laughs> at some point with all these bodies just colliding onto it you think some some limb would have hit a handle um but a huge part of this movie and one thing i really did like about it that i found was different was the a lot of zombie movies it's get from point a to b to c and you you keep moving and you keep getting away from them and this does that but the mechanism of the train to do that i think is very interesting because they are literally fighting their way from car to car and each car has different types of zombie not different types but different layout of where the zombies are in the cart and the what the different way they can get through the cart and whether or not there's a restroom they can run into and they're about to get killed and i found that really nerve-wracking watching them go through this train car by car from car nine to 15 that sequence is so great and when they're getting ready to do it like the music starts building up i'm like yeah this is this is what i want (laughs) this is what i'm waiting for yeah i mean that's something that's not i mean I i think the number one thing about this movie that makes it a little bit different for me is that it does an excellent job of making me care about several of the characters before the virus really gets going full speed in the train. Um, And so there's at least, there are at least four, no, five people that I genuinely like. There's the big guy and his pregnant wife. There's the little girl. There's one of the two older sisters 
and then there's the the baseball player guy um and you know i actually i like them and i'm rooting for them and most of them last a really long time so you get your hopes up you know you get invested and you know that that really had me and the other part is that a lot of I don't remember seeing a lot of zombie movies where people had to literally just wade straight through the zombies and had to get through them directly through them from one point from point A to point B and they couldn't find a way around and they couldn't be in a vehicle going through the zombies. They had to just do it, you know, barehanded, bare skinned and and figure out how to manage it. And I thought they were very inventive in how they how they did it, you know, wrapping up their arms with the tape and the padding and getting the baseball bat and the riot shield, you know. So it was just a fun time. So David actually put in our docket, are the characters too thin? It sounds like for yeah. you anyway, you know, there there's just the right amount of substance to be caring about the ones that you like. I mean, some of them were thin, you know, like the the yeah. old lady sisters, there's, you know, there's one like acerbic one and one sweet one. Yeah. And there's the girl, this, the girl that's with the baseball players. Yeah, there's the flirty girl with the baseball players. There's um, you know, and the baseball players just like this sort of stalwart sweet guy you know trying to be a good guy teenage boy who's, who's you know still scared out of his mind but he's trying to hide it um and the frankly but, the father for like half the movie <laughs> I oh yeah develops a lot until the very end he's uh, he's a trope he's a walking trope he's the the uh, not attentive enough father and yeah workaholic yeah it's i think part of uh, and i and you know i I did like the baseball kid a lot. Uh, his moments of sheer panic because he's seeing his friends now as zombies. I thought that was really interesting and compelling. But I, I think a number of them, like the homeless guy, was he necessary? What did he like? He has his moment of sacrifice, but by the time that comes, I'm like, okay, sure. You're so uh, right because no. the entire movie, he seems to be looking out for number one. He's just kind of there the whole time, and then well, like he's necessary. He's necessary for one of the themes. You know, you'll notice that two people are two two people are stowaways on the train. There's the homeless guy, and then there's the infected girl. Mm-hmm. And people are much more alarmed, much faster by the homeless guy in the bathroom than by the girl staggering and seizing in the aisle. Um, you know, and it's a this it's a not very heavily veiled, uh, you know, attack on the class system and sort of snobbery that happens sometimes in Korean culture with different class levels. It's like, oh, you know, there's there's someone in the bathroom who doesn't belong there. I don't think he belongs there, you know, and it's not a it's not a this guy's violent. This guy looks like he's on drugs. It's just there's someone there who doesn't belong. You know, go get the riffraff out of there. Yeah. And I think that works for that opening scene. But then just as he's kind of along, I don't know. It is like he has this big sacrifice at the end. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he tags along just enough to be a plot device when necessary, right? Like it's almost like they were writing the movie and they get the characters into such a jam and then they remember. Oh yeah, this guy can sacrifice himself. Um, the, though I do think Nicole makes a very good point at the beginning of the movie that I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, no, that that is that is really interesting, and I think part of what makes this movie feel fresh or has an earnestness about it is because it's really kind of the first really big, you know, South Korean zombie apocalypse movie. Uh, that like they like there is just so much energy in here that like he, in America we have done this. A million times. We've done a hundred times. We're so kind of jaded by it that it's like, what new can you bring to the table? Right. And this How is like are you? What, fourth zombie movie ever in Korea or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the first like big like action thriller one. Uh so that I think there's just a lot more energy behind it. 
versus you know us where it's like well how are your zombies different uh these ones apparently they have a uh, really they're based on sight they can hear sounds but they can't smell so which is kind of that's also a popular thing is like the zombies can smell your blood well they can see but they can't see real well yeah i guess i guess if if tunnel lighting wasn't yeah, going through a tunnel the everybody the the people who are still fully human can see can see okay but the the infected can't see at all because their eyes have whited over so yeah just like the just like i have to call back just like the zombie deer at the beginning of this movie oh yeah oh this, yeah that's right that's where the movie had me like right off the bat i'm like oh this is going to be a comedy this is going to be funny <laughs> That's the that's the, like the, the classic horror film opening scene, though, right? Where you have the guy, the, the little sequence that's not really connected to the rest of the events of the movie, but kind of sets the scene. You know, it is the it is the girl swimming in Jaws. Uh, it's mm. I don't know the camper getting killed by. I haven't seen any of the uh, those movies with Jason. I can't remember the call. <laughs> uh, Friday the Thirteenth. That's it. He's got the machete. It's the it's yeah, the cold right. open throwaway. Yes, definitely. And, and when I think of uh, recent or semi recent uh, American zombie properties, I think of what I think is the most forgettable zombie movie of of this century thus far, World War Z. And nothing is interesting about World War Z. <laughs> and what is least interesting uh, about it, perhaps is that the zombies, there's so many of them, and there's so much of a lack of attention to care about them at all in like the way they're presented or the way they look, that instead, when they were making the movie, they just said, CGI a million of them in and just have them flooding like literal water. And that's cool, kind of the first time you see it. And then it's just, in my opinion, it looks really dumb. And I love that this movie takes a little bit of inspiration from that. There are brief moments in this movie where the zombies are flooding all over each other. Like like the waves of them. Exactly. But, but it is done, I think in a much more tactful way. It doesn't last as long. It's way more dire. It's not as big scale. And then also on top of that, when you look at the zombies and the way the actors are portraying the zombies and the way that they kind of gyrate their body and move their limbs. And yes, we've seen a lot of that with zombies, but it, I, I felt like there was more attention to caring about the way the zombies looked and acted and piled together and grouped together than I've seen in movies like World War Z, in movies in American culture where we're just so used to seeing a million zombies chase you from point A to B. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. Else. Oh, that, uh, but I did love that scene when um, the, they're on that final train at the end. Uh, cause spoiler is a second train and all the zombies are like grabbing onto it and like, being, oh yeah, like that giant mass, which is like really cool. But I couldn't help thinking the entire time, just like move to where they can't see you. problems. <laughs> 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 I understand it's a high tense situation that has to happen for that cool visual we got there. Uh, that I really liked, but it's just like, you know, if you just move back like five feet, none of them are going to be able to see you and they'll just presumably let go. Yeah, yeah. The zombies in this movie are kind of like my chihuahua in the sense that you only exist if you're in eyesight. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just completely unto themselves. Do they shake nearly as much? Honestly, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, my chihuahua is constantly shaking. So, and actually, another thing on top of this I want to talk about is like the full on zombie versus like the Walking Dead type zombie, right? Where you have no skin left, and or rather, it's like. Blackish, brownish, blue, bluish, like I don't know. Well, versus this, the whole infected thing. This is really unclear. Yeah, if they are the undead or if they are infected. Um, I guess I that's a better way to put it. Infected. I didn't think of the word undead with that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree with Nicole. I think it's more infected, which I think is works for the kind of movie they're they're doing here. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I wish I, the rules had been a bit more consistent. About how it affects people. Like most of the time when they're on the first train, it's like the 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 infected their their arms don't work real good anymore. Right. <laughs> they stagger around and like their arms yeah. are sort of flopping behind them most of the time, like penguins. And they're uh like really rabid, angry penguins. And they're just sort of 
they're just sort of there and that's part of why they can't work the doors. But then when they switch over to the other train um, at the, the first station, they was it no it's not the first station it's like the second station where they have to change like the when they change thing. over to the second train they yeah. can grab on and they're like climbing over each other and using their arms to do it and it's i don't know still those doors but yeah. you don't really notice at the time in the in the yeah. heat of the moment it's right. just like wow that looks really cool with like 700 zombies in a pyramid dragging along behind this engine yeah and it looks really cool it does. And and I suppose what I'm curious about, and this is more of a discussion of zombie movies as a whole, um, is the difference between the undead and the uh you know, Night of the Living Dead and Walking Dead, uh, the slow traditional zombie that is more spooky because it comes out of nowhere, not that it can burst after you. Is like that the undead that has already died versus if you are infected, it tends to be like the quicker, fast paced zombies that run at you in hordes. That seems to be the divide. Yeah, a la 28 days, 28 weeks later. Right. Well, yeah, except for For Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, for the record, I meant 28 days later, not 28 days starring Sandra Bullock. I was just, (laughs) (laughs) they might be undead in there. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying about the, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Were they fast zombies in there? I thought they were still. Sh- yeah, they were. They're oh, they're shampoo. Some. Yeah. Do you think we'll get back to slow zombies or scary at some point? Because it seems like fast zombies have been scary for the last 15 years. I think. They've got to find a new way to do it. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah. done out a little bit in movies. I think what this week, though, the, the, uh, release of resident evil 2 remake came out uh and people seem to really be enjoying it and like the the that's that's still when those zombies were slow moving before you had you know resident evil 5 uh resident evil 4 was infected Uh, anyway yeah don't uh, even talk about resident evil 5 yeah Uh, that stays away from this this household of but my ears. <laughs> yeah, but but in two, they're still slow moving, kind of come right. at you, grab you kind of guys. And sure, there's like the special ones, whatever. But uh, I think that is that's yeah. I don't know. In movies, it's like well, as I said earlier, like you have that thing of like, well, we've already seen that. What else can you show us? You know, that's that's a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up. As someone who's one of all time favorite games is Resident Evil Two. Super excited about this remake. Um, what is so scary about that game that they don't really explore in modern zombie movies, or they do a little bit in this movie actually is everything in that game feels hyper claustrophobic because you are in a mansion with surprisingly tiny rooms and you cannot leave. So every room and every place you go feels like, yes, it moves slowly, but it might only be three feet away from me. And maybe that's how you make it scary again. And this movie does a great job of that in the train, right? Like there's so many times in this movie that you're thinking like, they're just so close to one another. Someone's going to accidentally get bitten. Oh yeah. No, I mean this movie, I think part of the effect of this too is like, it's in such a small space that it's, you know, there's nowhere, even if they were slow moving, they're right there on you. Right. And kudos to the camera work in here. You know, it's, I'm I'm sure it was at least some of it was done on a set that was made to look like it, but kudos to managing to shoot inside a train bathroom uh, <laughs> and make it seem, you know, not roomy, but you know, make it seem like there's not a cameraman trying to fit in there right. with everything else. Yeah, we get a good sense of the space in there. Right. Yeah, you get a, an excellent sense of the size of it, and especially when they've got like four people in one of them. A, a film I have not seen, but I imagine at least one of you have, that I've also heard a ton about, and is partly South Korean, is Snowpiercer. Oh, that also I take love place, that movie so much. Place on a train. Yes. Yeah, it's entirely Man, on trains. Train. It's it's a thing, guys. I'm calling it now. Well, movie you know. trains. We did we did snakes on a plane and we're like, well, that's the perfect plane movie. So if we're gonna make another form of uh, locomotion, it's gotta be a train. Sure, of course, of course. 
Because uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> zombies on a train None doesn't quite have the ring to it. So uh, this movie is like a theme park ride, a thin narrative to hold it all together, but enough thrills to keep it exciting and asking for a return visit. And I'm also going to pair this with a second question from David's, which is, is the movie too long? Because you wouldn't want a theme park ride to be too long. Yeah. Let me kind of explain that. Because I've been watching a lot of this YouTube channel called Defunctland, uh, which explores, hey, whatever happened to this theme park ride? Uh, or this theme park in some cases. And he talks a lot about theming and, and the narrative structure of rides. And, you know, you're going through the line, which kind of it, it immerses you in the world and kind of preps you. And then you get on the ride itself, which is usually like, oh, you've been... Uh, you're, you've been selected as a new cadet for whatever, or you're going to test this thing, and then like something goes wrong, or it's like you have the big thrills. Like that is, you know, there's not really much of a story to it. Then the thrills happen, and you're like, oh, that's so exciting. And then it's over, and you're like, that was like, that was really cool. I'm going to remember the thrills more than, you know, standing in line next to a, a cheap animatronic robot. So I felt like this movie had moments of that where it's like, okay, we have, we, we have a reason to get everybody on the train. That works. Okay, we we've got that. Cool. Uh, now here's a bunch of really cool zombie stuff, <laughs> and I, I you know I want to rewatch it again because of all the really cool moments. But I I guarantee if I didn't watch this movie for like a year, I would forget most of like why the people are there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to answer the question for me whether or not it's too long, I think it. <sighs> I think it might be disserviced by two hours. It's a little long. Nicole, what do you think about that? I mean, I was watching it and thinking about it, and you could you could pair out one of the characters or sets of characters and trim this movie down to make it like a completely um a much a, a more tightly packaged mm-hmm. little gift of a movie and a thrill ride and take out more of the straightaways and give you a more you know more of a curved curve experience and and not so much breathing room in between um and i mean this i don't know i mean i sometimes i think you need the breathing room you know in the theater i kind of did because it makes you appreciate the set pieces more yeah um, because if it's crazy all the time, you get you get tired, you get worn out, and you're like, oh, what next? It is, but it also has that worry of like if you have the excitement and then you stop for a little while, it's like, okay, let's you lose all the momentum. Yeah, which is uh, love the movie Casino Royale totally has that problem. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, part I I think it's I don't know. I wonder if part of it is that they wanted to make the movie roughly real time Hmm. because Mm. it's, you know, the distance from Seoul to Busan is not that huge. I mean, South Korea is about the size of new England minus Maine. So it's not that big. It's something like a hundred thousand square kilometers. Um, And the time it takes the KTX, um, is a high speed rail. So it takes like two, two and a half hours to go from Seoul to Busan. And Mm -hmm. so I think they're trying to keep it roughly real time. So you get a, you, you really feel more like you're with all the passengers. Minus the zombies. I had hardcore public transit envy watching this movie. Especially because I watched a chunk of this on the Chicago L. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chicago. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. I was watching this train and then boarding and it was so nice. And there were 17 people smashing into me in the back of a car. <laughs> and I digress. Yeah, uh, that's that is totally a valid argument for why it might be a little bit longer. Uh, and I think also Nicole makes a good point that maybe perhaps in the theater, those respites are a little bit better. Uh, for me, I there were times in the center when I just kind of lost interest a tiny bit. And I think David does make a good point about it. Like it's a thrill ride. You need to kind of keep it moving as much as possible. Oh yeah. You know what? If you took out all the phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Just don't give them phones. Like they're spending way too much time on their phones in this, uh, you know, 
nearing a post-apocalyptic landscape. We also could have done without him being like, do I want to reconnect with my wife? And, you know, yeah. like having some of those ponderous moments where it's like, that's, uh, you know, it's ultimately unnecessary. Yeah, we're not even going to see the wife. Yeah, uh, yeah but- just leave it of like, he's doing this for his daughter and that's, you know, that's fine. Yeah, though, right. though, David, when you were talking about like a theme park rides, you don't want them to be too long. All I can think of is, is A, the carousel of progress. People have died on that probably it's so long. <laughs> and, um, and B, Spaceship Earth, which is inside the giant ball, like the golf ball, if you're not familiar uh, with that. Yeah. And oh my God, you are going to be in there all day. Uh, <laughs> they're both so slow. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I've no. been on those in the last two years and they, I feel like I'm still on them. I can't speak to the <laughs> of the ride because the line is never long enough for you to fully experience it. But if people are looking for what I would argue is the best, if not one of the best um, uh, theme park rides of all time, it is the mummy ride at Universal Studios. <laughs> you have a chance, ride it as many times as you can. You will not be disappointed. All right. I'm going to take you up on that in the next year and I'll let you know. Now, a person that creates a little bit of a, thrill ride of his own here is the COO creator, creating a character rather. Uh, he's Is he believe, believably selfish or is he a little too evil? This is a guy who is on the train. He's out for number one. He's a big COO of some big fancy company. You're going to move the train when Stallion. I tell you to. Stallion. Yeah. Stallion. You're going to move the train when I tell you to. We're going to leave people behind. We're not going to let survivors into our car because they might be infected. I'm going to sacrifice not only everyone around me, but also people actively trying to help me and keep me from being killed. Uh, he is a grade A dirtbag throughout right. the entirety um, of this movie. There is not any moment, not even in his death, that is remotely non scummish. He's horrible. They try to make him like have a moment of sympathy and like, oh, he was just scared the whole time. Nope. I don't care. Yeah. Keep in mind that this guy, after all of this at the very end, is like, I just want to go home to my mom. Like, oh, bite me. That was terrible. No, don't bite me. (laughs) Yeah, don't bite me. No, I will say one thing that upset me about this movie is that this guy is so evil and so wretched and you hate him by the end of this movie because he is directly responsible Honestly, for the majority of the deaths, like the majority of the deaths happen via zombies, but they happen because of this guy. He pushes. He literally throws three people to the yes. zombies. And, but also, and also, if you keep in mind, like like Nicole, your favorite character, the father, the expectant father, you know, yeah. he he dies because of this guy because this guy has a door barricaded, and we don't really get to see him suffer. And I just wanted to see it a little bit. Like yeah. we don't get to see him get bit. We don't get to see any of that. We just uh, show up at the final train and he's infected. Yeah. I, I think we see him get bit when he's like, gets, there's like a pile of zombies. Oh, do, do we see him ankle. get bit? Yeah. Maybe that's why it takes so long for it to affect him is because it yeah. has to go from his ankle to his brain. I wondered about that. If, if it, but still, uh, I, I, this guy so much uh yeah. and he pushes other people to like follow his line of thinking and just yeah. uh, when i found out he had su- survived the slaughter in the train i was i was upset i was <laughs> how could you do this to me i know oh, and i was it was funny you know brett was so jubilant in the slack when the you know the older lady opens the you know the door that's to the car that's barricaded at the other end and he's like oh yeah old lady just killed everyone i hate 10 out of 10 yeah <laughs> because like, oh i hate to break it to him uh, but <laughs> here's the guys in the bathroom but even then like one of the worst parts of this movie and it gets to something that nicole we're going to talk about a little bit later on a discussion topic from you is a lot of zombie movies and post-apocalyptic movies they always believe the worst in people a lot of the time and and there's there tends to be this this crowd gang effect of like just follow whoever you perceive as strongest and outcast everybody else and a large portion of the survivors do this in this movie when this coo is saying do not let survivors into our barricaded car even though they're very clearly not infected they're making phone calls to you and uh 
he they let them in. I'm sorry, they don't let them in. They break in. And then he just immediately convinces everybody, no, they're still infected. We should shun them. And everybody shuns them. <laughs> Literally everybody starts screaming at these people like they are just the social pariahs of the train and they must be excommunicated to the back car and slaughtered for, you know, uh, for meat. And they immediately all get killed. And I love it. It's great. <laughs> well, it look- is perfect justice. I was less happy about it when you realized the guy you want to die lived. That's true, but but he he inspires so much hatred there, and it's not cool. A you know, we worked up into a frenzy and terrified, and it's and they suffered for it. Yeah, yeah. Though though I I think one of the saddest deaths of the movie, is, <laughs> though not that sad because this guy's kind of his accomplice in some ways, more just pathetic, is one of the the guys that works on the train, one of the, not the conductor, but one of the ushers, I suppose. I don't know what you call them. One of the attendants. Uh, one attendants, of the land yeah. stewards. Right. Uh, <laughs> is hiding in the bathroom with this man after aforementioned slaughter. And the COO looks out the door. Is it safe? Oh yeah, it's safe. You go first. Oh. That guy goes first, gets mauled to death as the CEO runs away. Uh, sad <laughs> this man is cartoonishly evil and it might even be too far and i'm cool with that yeah i mean that, that, that i think that was the probably the biggest hang-up i had with the movie is just like oh boy, is anybody this awful you know he looks that little girl right in the eye and doesn't let her into the train into his train car you know, and she is just, she's just this, you know, not overly sweet, but like this polite, already world weary at like what, eight, you know, yeah. girl <laughs> who has the most eloquent range of expressions that all say, I have a crappy dad. I'm sorry. You yeah. Know, just everybody was thinking it. Yeah. yeah. And it's her birthday. Oh and, yeah, I forgot oh, it's her birthday. The movie takes place kid. on her birthday. And this this evil CEO oh. her right in the face and let and keeps her out. And it's just ah. Oh. Wait, guys, like, are would we anybody really do that? And then I think yes, yes, they would. <laughs> are we looking? Is this movie a a dark uh dark version of liar liar? Like she just wanted her family to get back together, and uh, look what look what happens. <laughs> oh, I don't think I remember liar liar well enough. I remember the facial expressions from liar liar, and that's about it. That's all I remember from most Jim Carrey movies. Well, uh, you and the audience who loved that reference, you can come at me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Though I also did while we're talking about the moral ambiguity slash treacherousness of some of the characters in this movie. Can we just briefly bring up that the movie gives you just enough substance to understand that the father is a fund manager, but also apparently has to use Nazi excuses at the end of the movie to make himself feel better. Um, Because apparently whatever fund he's invested in or has helped with is also the cause of this outbreak. And then his assistant calls him and says, we were just doing what we were supposed to do. Uh, look, they, yeah, they're, they're the hedge fund manager and they, they helped keep a biotech company from going bankrupt to say it's their fault is such a, a stretch. No, I, I know it's a stretch. I just, I just, it's weird for me. To, it's, it's like, what's the point of it? What's the point of, that in the movie it doesn't contribute to his character building at all to know yeah, that well, he does, is indirectly though, but he's he's it gives him more you know it shows that he's willing to bend morality because at the beginning of the movie he's talking another investor into keeping his money in that biotech company and as soon as he hangs up on him he tells his assistant go sell everything we've got in that yeah, company no no that's a good point i guess it does show that for him so yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't know. And he's um, all, you know, telling his daughter to 
only look out for herself and not help other people. <laughs> and she, the look on her face, she's just stricken. And it's not even stricken like, oh my gosh, daddy. It's like, wow, you're a bad person, dad. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I, I Maybe part of it is that I just don't find his character particularly interesting at any point in the movie, nor do I empathize with him a ton. I mean, I, his death I, is kind of sad when he dreams about his his daughter as a baby before he becomes a zombie. Yeah, it's the happiest sure. moment of his life that he's reliving. You know? Yeah, certainly so, wasn't his wedding because that it gives him. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I have to I have to say as somebody who has been married and had kids once you have kids that surpasses the wedding sure. generally speaking um <laughs> so but i mean it i think it's just so it it also gives him a lower starting point so he has more of an arc by the end because by the end he's teaming up with the other people and he's helping them rescue others and he's taking care of you know, he's taking care of the pregnant woman and his daughter and this older lady and so much running for the pregnant woman. Oh my god, yeah, I know. I'm just like, I could not run when I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could, but it was super she, uncomfortable, and she, she's doing so much more of it. She's wearing like heels. She's They're not low heels, though. Yeah, low heels, but still. Yeah, women <laughs> learn how to do that, man. <laughs> uh, I guess you gotta. She was in the apocalypse. David, as someone else who had not seen this movie, did you also think that there was going to be like this adopted pseudo family at the end of the movie of the three of them? I kind of, uh, I, I th yeah, I thought like it was going to be uh, uh, Korean Benedict Wong and uh, his wife, and then the daughter were going to like be that was going to be their next life together. Oh. I was all for that. <laughs> See, I, I thought it was more going to be the young girl's father, her. And the pregnant woman. Oh, no. No, because I look as soon as because this movie is still because Korea is still really fresh to the zombie genre. Uh, it's like, OK, pregnant women and children are safe. Like they're, <laughs> they're not going to die. Those two, you know, are going to make it throughout. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's better than in some more jaded countries. I remember and it, spoilers for Wreck 3 coming up which uh -huh. i saw at a midnight screening but like the no, zombies no, get onto a bus full of children no we don't need that darkness <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so, so like oh no what are you doing so, oh, i kind of like the traditional let's let the pregnant woman and the and the child survive yeah so they do and that actually gets me to another discussion topic here which is is there a resolution in this ending and is it, is it fulfilling for everybody? Because that as much as I really enjoyed this movie, I found the ending a little disappointing for me personally. Well, they get to provisional safety. Yeah. I, I think it's, there is as much for what we were talking about, like, Oh, there's maybe like a little bit too much in this movie already. There is as much of an ending as there needs to be. They are protected now. I didn't need another 10 minutes telling me that like and then korea was safe uh oh. and as of september 2018 uh they went into pre-production on a sequel so yes maybe i'll feel better with the sequel then because for me i felt mm -hmm. like i would have liked to have less of some of the running around in the middle and i would have had i would have liked a little more closure at the end well uh, there's also an I, american remake coming what yeah what other closure would you have wanted yeah that's i think a, i would have question i think i would have liked to have seen so we saw early in the movie that the army seemed to be highly ineffective against these zombies. Um, a, a huge amount of them that were supposed to meet them at the first stop in the station and protect them. Like it was supposed to be like a, a quarantine. There were a lot of these guys and all of them got turned into zombies and uh, ended up just becoming more of a hazard for the people than a help, obviously. And uh, there seems to be terror and destruction going throughout the rest of the country during this um when the father's on the phone with people we're hearing about riots and we're seeing it on tv and it, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on so i would be a little bit curious of like at the very end of this line at busan uh what have they done that has allowed them 
to not fall into that chaos and I, to quickly barricade enough to be not like the people that were at the midway point. I would think they probably had more time because uh, it seemed it, yeah. started, it started in like the major, uh, like in, in Seoul and then had to spread mm. there. And since Busan's, you know, seems to be further out, they probably just had more time to prepare themselves. Yeah, perhaps that's it. Geography is weird in this movie because uh, the 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 opening scene where the you know the I guess farmer maybe uh, comes goes through a yeah. checkpoint and gets sprayed down, um, and it's near the chemical plant or biotech plant or whatever it is where the the leak happens and he, he hits the deer is near um, Jinyang Lake and I looked it up and it's in. Yeah. Southeastern Korea, which is where Busan is. Hmm. Um, and so it's the outbreak uh, starts closer to Busan, but maybe it moves through the animal population first and then breaks out in the human population up in Seoul. Yeah, that would make more sense, right? The other way. Like with, a, with a leak, with like a some sort of spill that animals probably get hit first. Well, they then that they they hinted at that that is what happened. Um, right, he's like flipping through some headlines or something. There's something like a bunch of dead fish and stuff. Yeah, we might yeah, get yeah. more answers if we watch uh, Soul Station. Oh, that's true. Prequel. Yeah, the animated prequel. Yeah, because also my other my other thing was that like yes, they had more time to prepare in Busan, but also the movie allude aside from the fact that everyone's cell phone seems to be working just fine. <laughs> um, the movie does also allude to the fact that more proper channels of communication have gone awry. Uh, that you know the train conductors can't connect with the control station to figure out exactly what's going on at each platform and whether or not they can, you know, whether or not they can be received at a specific platform. And the guy on the radio just says, "Yeah, there's just so much crap going on that we don't have the communications that we should have." So I, I figured that would probably carry over to a degree into governmental stuff and the military, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think also we don't uh, we don't see why the one station they got to got overrun, why the military was ineffective there. Yeah. Because maybe like maybe something happened that just totally changed the landscape of that scene. Right, right. Yeah, yeah totally. All it takes is one. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. Uh, so our last discussion topic as we wrap up, one from Nicole. The movie would have us believe that almost... Uh, movies, no one's like all oh, sorry, movies the movies are... <laughs> would have us believe that almost no one survives a zombie apocalypse because some people selfish, selfish actions, other lazy in action, invariably screws up the protective system for everyone else. Do you think that would be true? Yes. People <laughs> are assholes. Uh, okay. I do. Look, I think, I think in the initial panic of things, yes, you would have some selfish assholes really running crazy things. Uh, but I, I think that really there's been a lot of times that have proven when disasters happen that people do tend to band together. Uh, in the initial chaos, sure, things are going to be a little bit rough, but then when it comes down to like the only way we're going to survive is together, people do tend to do that. I think if you look at stuff like uh, the aftermath of Katrina, where, yeah, you had looting, but I also had family in that area. And there's a lot more stories of people coming together and helping keep each other safe and fed and, and keeping things going. Um, it's a good point. Yeah. I, I think, I think what I'm referring more to uh, is uh, I think that say you had a hundred settlements of people that are all, you know, camped out and have some sort of wherewithal to understand where they need to be and how to get food and keep away from the zombies and they have their own little systems. I think realistically in uh, in a zombie apocalypse, a lot of those would fall to someone making a stupid mistake. But I don't think all of them. I think a lot of them would be okay too. Uh, but I think that that probably would happen to an extent. I don't know. Nicole, what are you thinking on this? Uh, I think it would depend on the culture of the country. You know, I think America, it would it would vary from community to community. And I think there would be some areas that would pull together and there would be some areas 
uh, probably the bigger cities where things would come apart because yeah, one just person would screw yeah. it up. Chicago would be a dumpster fire. It would not <laughs> make it out of a zombie apocalypse, nor would any like, other major metropolitan cities. New York, yeah. New York would be too stubborn. Right. Or, you know, there are so many stories of like people who refuse to leave areas that are supposed to be evacuated or people who uh, don't want to come along and, and follow the group and join together. And so they end up getting hurt or needing someone to come rescue them. And it puts more people in jeopardy that way. Um but I think like small towns where everyone knows each other and trusts one another more or less and, you know, at least respects their their right to be around and um, their way of life that, that that would work out. I think East Asia would actually have a huge advantage because there's a, a lot more value placed on community there and in doing working for the good of the whole more than for individual satisfaction. Um, so I think, you know, and people do more what they're told, you know, you heard the, the train conductor makes an announcement. We're going to change trains at this particular station. Everybody's going to have to get off and nobody, nobody hesitates getting off the train. When they get there, nobody says, nope, I'm going to barricade myself in here. I've got supplies. I'm just going to wait this out. They all go, even the evil COO, because it's just it's a cultural thing. You know, they've been told by an authority that this is what they should do and they're going to go do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Uh, one thing I'll throw out there to David and any audience members that are that are gamers like we are. Um, I recently, and I know I'm very late to this, so I feel like other people would be recommending this to me and not the other way around. But I recently picked up those Dying Light games because there's a new one coming out and I want to play the first one. And uh, you played them? I haven't. Okay, so uh, I think it, of all the zombie games I've played over the many years, uh, I think this one nails it perfectly in what a community would be like the different social structure that would develop around that and the need to survive and the different skills that people would be required to either uh, unharness that they already have or learn in order to survive and the politics within that structure and also how that might happen in a place that was once a thriving city. Um, highly recommend it. Very, very cool. Uh, definitely an interesting uh, exploration of zombies that's different because again as we mentioned earlier kind of hard to make zombies different nowadays um and then final final question because i almost i almost missed it this is the director is it Se- sang ho yun um, i'm not sang ho yun yeah yeah i got pretty close uh it's his first live action work does it show yeah he's he'd done all animation before this I would. I think I'd have to see some of his animation to to see it to see if there's a difference. I think there's some uh, there's some pretty good shots in here though. Oh uh, yeah, it speaks of somebody who uh, is competent behind a camera. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it helps. You know, you really when you're doing animation that you you have to develop a particular visual style, mm-hmm. and I think that that really helps because you're you have to think very hard about what angle you want to do things from and how quickly you want to do particular events and then how you want to do the edits. Um, and you have to, you know, build the whole world and, and not have to deal with this, you know, the things that are already there. I don't know. It's, I think it helped. I think it really helped with how kinetic this movie gets a lot of the time. Um, Although it also contributed to something like this totally random thing. And I'm trying to remember, I'd actually seen it before uh, when the, they pull into the last station and this random engine that's on fire comes into the station at speed and I'm trying to remember, there's another movie 
and I can't put my finger on which one it is, where a, a train that's on fire goes barreling through a crossing. I want to say the Spielberg War of the Worlds. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, but it's it's an it's an incredible visual, and I am not surprised. I would not be surprised if he had seen that and just outright swiped it. Um, because we get no. I mean, I suppose there there could be a perfectly reasonable explanation or chain of events that could have caused that, given the complete chaos that the country has fallen into. But it's sort of this, it's it's this deus ex machina, you know, it's this yes, it engine out of nowhere that serves to separate the group and cause yet one more calamity and traps like four people under this angled train car that's full of zombies. And, you know, the weight of them is going to break the windows out at any second. And they've got to figure out how to get out from under there. Um which, you know, they use more than once in this movie, but this is the first time I've seen it, so I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah. This was actually a new thing that I had seen in a in a zombie movie is this um this device of just piling bodies against glass until it just shatters under the weight of all of them and it's it works out amazingly well and it's a great visual. So I don't really blame him for using it, what, like three times? Yeah, <laughs> it happened more than once. Yeah. But it looks great, you know, along with the nice. zombies falling from the helicopters. That was... That was a good one. I like that one. That was kind of... There's so many great little visual, you know, moments in this there movie. Um, there's also... There's some moments, for me anyway, and this is of no fault of the director necessarily, that... It looks great, and I think part of that is because it is in a lot of close quarters. And but there are moments where you you see it, and yeah, this was made for eight and a half million dollars, which is what it would cost like a B list, you know, actor to show up on your set for three hours in the U.S. or whatever. And uh, it kind of shows at times, like that aforementioned scene of the train barreling in um, when the train flips on its side. Looks a little fake. Uh, like there, there are moments in the more grand aspects of this movie where the 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 effects were maybe a little bit more ambitious than served them well, but I mean, it, but not bad. Like certainly pretty I, darn good. I think eight million there goes a lot further. Uh, yeah, yeah, does here for sure. And I think yeah, a lot of it is on closed sets. Um. And when they are outside in those outside shots, uh, they're typically, it seems either like very, like very early in the morning, which is like the notorious time of filming stuff super dirt cheap because nobody is around. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say there was any real point. I mean, there's a couple of times where the zombies, I'm like, all right, that's obviously like a CGI pile of humans. But because I'm so excited about what's going on, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll let it go. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not focusing on it because I'm like, I don't want that guy to get bit. Right. Or, or do I? <laughs> <laughs> I was sad to see the father get bit at the end. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was going to be bit. Only <laughs> partly because it's Gong Yu and I already liked him from Coffee Prince. I'm a, I'm a K-drama fan, so there's this <laughs> absolutely great, ex extremely progressive one called First Shop of Coffee Prince. And... uh He's one of the stars of it. And so I was actually already familiar with this actor before seeing this movie. So I'm like, oh, hey, I know that guy. Well, while we're in the K-dramas, I got to bring it up, Brett, since we're on this show. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's Suhi or Sohi. I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but the, the girl from this movie, um, the baseball girl, was, all, was in the Korean remake of Entourage. <laughs> oh, uh, wait, no, wait, 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 back up. There's why? a Korean remake of Entourage. Yeah, why? In one season. <laughs> oh, I need to see this. I know. I, need... I found out this existed. I'm like, well, I have to find this. I, I to need to see it. what their equivalent is of Jeremy Piven. <laughs> like, yeah, she's apparently in every episode as well. So, oh, that sounds so bad. I can't wait to find that. I know it was not well received. I can't imagine why. All right. Yeah, well, they, they, we're... another successful K drama actress is just for like a cameo as the the infected girl who makes it onto the train at the last oh, minute. Yes, so. yes. 
I was like, ah, oh. you know, I found out later. I'm like, oh, it's Miss Granny. I saw Miss Granny. That was great. You know, I so. love biting someone in the neck. Oh yeah, my god, oh, I love it. This yeah, yeah I, I do love how she just like latches on to the. Oh, the bites are brutal. And and just hangs there. Yeah, not a lot of gore, but uh, I mean, it's still bloody, but not very yes. gory. And yeah, yeah, so not a lot of viscera here. everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a lot. Uh, though I do want to throw out here really quick that apparently the Korean entourage um, has the same thing going as entourage. Whereas, like, if you're famous and live in South Korea, you showed up during the season. You were, you were in the, <laughs> at some point. Oh my god, I cannot wait. Okay, <laughs> wait for our spinoff podcast for Brett I talk about Korean entourage. Honestly, we should do it. Episode by episode breakdown. I would do that. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. You know what? We're going to make that happen in the next five weeks or whatever. So no one that hears this show can steal our idea. But that'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. Next week, we are watching You Did This To Us movie. uh, And that movie was mentioned at the top of the program. It'll also be in the show notes because, of course, we don't know what it is right now. Uh, But, Nicole, where can people find you online? You can find me watching over our Facebook facebook page at facebook.com slash movie go round podcast you can find me on letterboxd um under something nicole underscore davis um i don't really tweet very much anymore but you can check your word whiz and yeah that's about it (laughs) very very good david what about you uh, the, uh, the, the, the broke pot mountain podcasts around the internet and username Davlus, D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can also find me on Twitch streaming, watching all of the entourage <laughs> <laughs> episodes. I wish. Oh, oh man. They have an entire website for this show. Okay. I need to stop. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. And then uh, quickly before, and actually you can find everything of mine there. Just go there. I'm not going to bombard you with links. Uh, But very quickly, before we close this audio file, guys, did you like it? Nicole obviously likes it. She brought it. David, did you like it? Would you watch it again? Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's like like a thrill ride where it's like I could sit here and I could sort of nitpick at some stuff, but I had a great time with it and I will watch it again. Same. I absolutely really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was different. It was different in a way, at least that I had never seen a foreign zombie movie. Is Raw a foreign zombie movie? I don't know. No, I still don't know how I feel about that movie. Oh, yeah. What am I thinking? It's just cannibalism. (laughs) That movie really distressed me, guys. Uh, Makes sense. That's in the backlog if you want to check it out, but I'll do it myself, David and Nicole. We'll be back next week if you did this to us. See you then. Bye.